Well, I'm, I'm Mark Buckner. I'm working with college ministry and a few other things here in Boston. Jeff and Sarah are in Alaska. So uh, that's good news for them. I don't know where they are in Alaska. It's a large place. But uh, I, they'll be back here next week. Jeff's pastor here. But uh, we're all ministers. We're all called to be involved in this. We're not people that are looking at a performance on a weekly basis and, you know, like, okay, that was like a seven. Good, let's go home. <laughs> no, Jesus is looking every one of us and saying, I see myself and those of you who have given yourself to me, and he's drawing it out. Be who you are everywhere you go. And that uh, in New York, getting uh, exciting feedback here, um, is one extreme example of just taking that way out there and saying, how can you, how can you shape us in doing now all of those things? Got a little card, I think, that's in your bulletin. It's got the two weeks from now and three weeks from now, we're going to have kickoff Sundays for the fall. Last year, I think we had food focused on the college students. It's food for everybody on these two Sundays. So we're going to do the same thing. We'll have barbecue pits and stuff out here. So he knows how to do this. Is that better? Okay. Uh, so anyway, that's what this is about. So bring people. It's going to be a great time just hanging out, eating. What are we eating? Anybody know what we're eating? Hot dogs and veggie dogs, I think, something <laughs> like that. So that wouldn't be called... Yeah, yeah, you know, dogs are made of something else besides vegetables. Okay, well, good morning. We've been uh, talking somewhat about the book of Acts over the last few weeks. And uh, today, I'm going to go back to Acts 13 and tell a little bit of my story. Because I was, uh, this word, this uh, Antioch, means a lot to me something that's shaped me dip, deeply. And this is part of who we are. And we're, not, we're not trying to be like a church in Texas or a church in California or a church in Missouri. We're trying to be the church here in Boston. We're trying to live out these values here and uh, sing, Sweet Caroline, right here in Boston. Be us. In the Gospel of Jesus, in Fenway Park, but uh, uh, but it, there's a there's a root that we go back to in all of that. And in my life, in uh, I started college back uh, before the wheel was invented, and uh, uh, I you know I I grew up in a a Christian home, but there's a lot of things that I couldn't. I didn't really understand because it was just, it was like the wallpaper. It was like the, the pavement. It had always been there. I hadn't really evaluated. I didn't know why, what the core was and what I was trying to grab a hold of. Turn into Acts 13. If you will, we've got a few slides, and the way I'm going to do these slides this morning, they're coming in sets, and they're going to go boom, boom, boom. So, looking at you, do. So, uh, let's read these first few verses of uh, Acts 13. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This passage captured my ideals. When I first started saying, what is the church? What is this all about? And what I see here is, is pretty interesting. First, it's fivefold ministry. We have apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. We, we have just a couple of gifts listed here, but we know there's pastors there. There are more pastors than anything else because that, that desire, that gift to nurture and encourage others is given really broadly in the body. But we also know there's apostles because these, what are these guys? They're sent out. They're doing this church planning thing. And uh, so it's a diverse group of people with gifting. It's also multicultural. It's interesting. We know we've got some Africans in here. We've got people from the Middle East. We've got people from multiple different countries. And then it's multi-socioeconomic. And uh, you've got people that are poor. And then you've got the guy that grew up with the Tetrarch, the king. So it's a very diverse situation. And, uh, uh, you know, I, as I look at this whole thing, and I, I'm reflecting, again, on all that's happening in our world, Ferguson, Missouri, Iraq, and over in, uh, in Ukraine, we've got so many diversities in this planet that are painful, and the only way they can be resolved is people that are embracing the cross of Jesus. In Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, it says, He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing walls of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So this church is an example of that. It's this diverse situation where people are actually living out this life together. And they're a little bit of a reflection of heaven. From tribes and different tongues and cultures. And uh, they've created what I like to call a, a seedbed of life. In Indonesia, I lived there for 10 years. When you plant a rice crop, you see multiple acres or the side of this mountain that's terraced out. And right at the bottom, there's one little small area that looks like a very well-manicured piece of lawn. Really dense green, little bitty blades of grass sticking up. That's the seed bed. And the whole crop starts from right there. And what they do is they, take, they grow an, an initial little patch. And when it gets to a certain place... They divide that whole thing up because couldn't, they couldn't emerge if they're all that close together. They spread them all over the place. They flood it, and they run some water buffaloes through it and do different things. And, uh, uh, and that one place begins is this, where all of the other things start out of. And that's what happened in Antioch. It was a place where seed was scattered all over the place. Isn't that right, Karen? Yeah, she's with me. All right. Uh, so, how does all that fit into our world right here? I want to tell you a little bit of my story. So, uh, I grew up son, grandson of uh, Southern Baptist ministers. And uh, there actually are Southern Baptist churches in Boston. I always think that's kind of funny. But uh, uh, I went to 
one over in Billerica, and uh, precious people, but my environment was kind of narrow. It's a church in the south, everybody looked like me, and we all were very familiar with each other. There's a certain way that we did things. And in my experience, too, there were a lot of negative things. As the pastor's kids growing up, I got to see nice people do bad things. I got to see leaders of the church arguing with each other. I got to hear about pain and different conflicts of relationship. So by the time I started college, I, you know, it's, I was one of those, I believe in Jesus. I'm not too sure about the church. But all you guys have had perfect experiences in the church, right? That, that's the crowd I'm dealing with, so I may be confusing by telling you some part of the world is experiencing pain related to this subject. It's tough getting along with each other. It is tough growing and continuing to forgive each other. In fact, anybody that's in leadership in the church and still has a sweet spirit has forgiven a lot of people. They've gotten over a lot of places where things were, did not work well. So that was my life. And, uh, but something dramatic happened. A few things very dramatic happened in my life to change all of that. The first thing was an experience with the Holy Spirit. I was at Latham Springs in Red Cabin Number 5 in camp. And uh, I was at a, a Baptist leadership thing. And something that was not a part of the program happened in my life. I started praying. It was a kind of an interesting event. The, the leader, who turned out to be a missionary kid from Indonesia, I uh, like thinking about that as I look back at my own spiritual history. He took a chair and he just placed it in the middle of the room. And he said, the Father's here. Anything you need to deal with, anything you need to say, you can do in the presence of the Father. It was really pretty simple intro, and he went and sat down, and people started standing up, and uh, some of them were confessing their sins and worshiping. Some of them were, you know, and people were started going to one another. It was, it was really an amazing moment that was very much out of control in a wonderful way. And during that time, I felt like my fingers got stuck into an electric outlet, I, there was uh, I, something that I had never read before. There was no part of my previous grid. No one had sat down to me and said, this is the Holy Spirit, this is what, how it all works, you need to do one, two, three, here's the gifts of the Spirit. I'd never heard of this stuff before. And uh, I, I pr- so I prayed that night, and I prayed till two in the morning, and I'm just totally, uh, you know, like I'm so caught up with the Lord. I went in the m- next morning, I showed up at church, I walked up the steps, and someone said, what happened to you? And I said, I don't know, but it sure is good. So an experience with the Holy Spirit, in that point in time, I realized I had never heard this stuff before. And it broke open my box and gave me a view where I said, the church is bigger than I thought it was. This was not the world that I was a part of. And I began to learn, wow, there's, you know, there's actually Presbyterians that are going to heaven. And there's, uh, you know, there's Methodists that are going to heaven. There's, you know, I met an Episcopal or two that was going to heaven. I was just like, what are they about? They were, a, they were loving Jesus. And I'd, I'd gotten bumped out of my little world. Another thing that happened to me is uh, 
I, uh, I started running into these, this group of guys called Youth with a Mission. And they were out of the box. They were doing this preaching stuff in, in the park. And, and uh, they were doing dramas and traveling all over the world. And I just thought, man, they're doing the fun stuff. And we're having church and Sunday school, and these guys are getting on airplanes. That's way cool. You know, that, that, I, I want to do that. And uh, they showed me also that uh, there was something that God had in purposes and working out that it was much bigger, much more diverse than any previous conception that I had of these, these meetings that we were involved in. Another thing that dramatically changed my perception of the church was a disaster. In 1985, our, our uh, senior pastor, we had about 1,800 people coming to church, massive, uh, we had about 500 college students that morning. I was the college pastor. And uh, the associate pastor confessed the immorality of the senior pastor. And uh, by December, uh, we had planted a few other churches in town. And uh, meaning hundreds of people left in large clumps and said, we're not a part of you anymore. And uh, uh, after about four years, we, were, we had grown our church down to about 600 people. And I said, the church is more messed up than I thought it was. I knew we had problems. But then I lived through severe pain. And all of that caused me to say, what is the church anyway? What are we doing here? Are we all just about, you know, let's go to church, meet some people, have a good social situation? I, you know, that's, that's a little bit of where I was when I started college. I just wanted to get a good job, have 2.5 kids and a BMW. You know, I, I, uh, I wanted the American standard kind of a, a be successful. I was going to be a doctor so that I could buy my mother a Cadillac. That was... High values in my life at that point in time. And, uh, uh, but after these kind of dramatic events or in the process of all of that, I started saying, what is the church? And I want to show you the book of Acts. We're going to go up to Acts 13, but I'm just going to take you line by line through an interesting process that I didn't know until I started studying this, that in the first 13 chapters of Acts, you're basically dealing with one year. Acts 1, one year. Acts 2, the next, you're, you're progressing over a, a history. As, as Luke was writing this out, he actually was, was giving milestones in the life of the church that, that gave representation of what was happening. So what happened in AD 30? Jesus commissions the church, and he ascends to heaven. The disciples meet in the upper room. Then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. First mass salvations, 3,000 people. So I'm just going... Blam, 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 but this is an overview of history. So they start uh, different ways of processing the church in Acts chapter 2, 42. In the, uh, Acts 3, uh, Peter and John uh, went, went to pray. They found a lame, found a lame man on the way, and uh, he got healed. And uh, Acts 4, Peter and John are arrested and released. The community starts growing deeper. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira tried to join the club without paying the dues, and they got in trouble. And uh, so, uh, anyway, dramatic thing, they, were, they fell down and died and were buried. And, uh, but at the same time, in the fear of God in that situation, 
all of Jerusalem is filled with the story, with the preaching of Jesus. And then uh, in AD 33, deacons are assigned to, uh, like, okay, you guys are doing way too much. You need to get some other people involved in all this. Then uh, Stephen's trial and his sermon, he becomes the first martyr. And Acts chapter 8 is the opposite of Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea. I'm going to send you. And interesting thing, several years have gone by, and they still haven't left town. So, Acts 8.1, they leave town. They're scattered because of persecution. And it's amazing. We think, how is God going to accomplish his will? Sometimes it's not in a way we're expecting, but the wonderful thing is the will of God is powerful. He is accomplishing his will. Next chapter, 9, Paul is converted, and Peter goes through all parts of the country. And then we go on. Peter goes to Cornelius' family, Acts 10, in Caesarea, and the Holy Spirit's poured out on the Gentiles. And Acts 11, Peter defends his ministry. They call him back in and say, what did you do? You're, you're, that's just not kosher. And uh, so he defends what's going on there. And at the same time, Barnabas brings Paul to Antioch. And then this other kind of a crazy story about this prophet named Agabus. He visits Jerusalem, says there's going to be a famine. So uh, what's going on all, all through here? You've got the move of God, people walking out of relationship, hearing the Lord, and obeying him. And it's, it's not a, a real, well-written plan. They're, they don't have this history of what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. They're just doing the next thing, and God is the one that's building them. Then we finally get up into the, the 13th chapter, and this is a watershed moment in history. I'm going to show you a couple of slides if I just say Acts 13, the tipping point. In Acts 1, we've got the being. This is all these people up in the upper room. What do you do in an upper room for 10 days? What are you doing in a retreat when everybody said, you've got to leave your cell phone at home, you can't bring your, any electronic devices? After a little while, yeah, they're praying, but I believe they started looking at each other and going, I'm sorry. I did that wrong. I said that wrong. Remember two years ago at Hanukkah, you know? And I said that to your cousin. I'm so sorry. There's all of these things. When we get in that kind of a place in close proximity, what happens is our relationships start getting touched. This is the first place that Jesus begins. He wants who you are to be transformed, that you're becoming more like him. And uh, if we move beyond that, we lose our way. The first place we need to be is, is rooted in Jesus and growing in intimacy with him. So these, they're, they were with Jesus. A lot of these people saw him face to face, and they're living that out. So what's happening? Being, loving and being loved in community. 
that sound good? Loving and being loved in some sort of relationships where there's consistency and there's depth and security. And that's not just like everybody, you may attach to the good side of that. Loving and being loved. Part of being loved is receiving correction, asking for forgiveness, dealing with harder issues in your life that are blocking you from really being connected to others. So there's forgiveness and unity. All these things have to happen. Then Acts chapter 2, we get the doing happening. So advancing the kingdom, 3,000 people saved, the church going to all these different tribes. And this is the test. If you're not living it, you don't believe it. We're just talking about it. We talk about being in an atmosphere that's isolated and it's not integrated, then you really don't believe it. You've got a philosophy. You've got some concepts you're playing with. But when we step forward into this, we begin to really embrace it. And, and how's it happening? It's like a, it's on, on the job training. This is what the church was living out. They were, take, they were discovering who they were. They were. Oh, you've got that gift. Wow, look how that works. That's so interesting. Then we get to Acts 13, and we've, something has matured. There's this a broader vision that embraces not just the Jewish world, but the, all the tribes. And this brings a tipping point, and it becomes that fertile seedbed, that place where the plant can be re, put into other places. This is a natural combination. The chemistry, one of the things that we did way back when in starting a, the training school was we said, what if we get some people that say they're going to commit a year of their life and we're going to have them worshiping and praying and fasting on a regular basis. We're going to bring the word of God in and we're going to get them out doing stuff. And we just stir that up. We didn't really know what we were doing. It was, it was uh, People were very, very foolish to trust us at that time. But... Uh, um, the result was God started transforming people's lives. And the result was this Acts 13 thing started happening. The Holy Spirit started saying, I want you to go here. I want you to go there. And it was really interesting. So Kurt Mailer, guy's getting technicolor visions, you know, he's all over the place, like, whoa. And uh, he says, Afghanistan, I see myself on my knees in the dirt. Kurt's pretty dramatic, you know. I see myself on my knees in the dirt, loving the children of Afghanistan. And we all went, whoa. He ended up there with his family during the reign of the Taliban in 1998. Pretty crazy stuff. What we, we just kind of followed that and walked with that. We had people in 1991, some of, ah, where's Audrey? You know, Siberia, boom, crazy stuff, Bulgaria. And then, some of the craziest stuff of all, beyond Afghanistan, beyond Siberia, it's Boston. We had a handful of people that said, we want to go up into the Northeast. We want to go to this place. And so, the Holy Spirit comes and he speaks and he says to you, I have a place. I don't just have values, but I've got purpose for your life. So right now, what's happened? This group of people, and it's, the name of it is Antioch. Why? 
It's because of a set of values. It's because of identifying with this whole process. And now there's over 24 churches we've got around the country. We've got over 200 missionaries outside of the country. English is the second or third most common language in our movement. There are, I, I, there are certain parts of the world where there are more believers. And uh, so it's, it has been a crazy ride. And at every step along the way, we've been going, what's next? How do we do this? And uh, <clears throat> what we hope is happening is that this larger seedbed of relationships is continuing to grow. Really crazy. The uh, church in Mongolia was one of the first larger churches. Actually grew to uh, 1,200 members way back when about 20 years ago, and uh, they have started planting churches out, you know, taking their yurts and going to even farther out. They, they, uh, this is an interesting thing. Your picture of Mongolia is not like, you know, um, semi-valley, right? You kind of think, I don't know, if you even have a picture of Mongolia in your mind, but this is one of the fastest growing economies in the world. It is high tech now. It's crazy. Why? They found oil. They got some uh, income flowing, and they've got some wealth coming into the country. And so people are buying cars and motorcycles and cell phones, and buildings are being built. And the Mongolians said, we want to reach the next generation. And so a team went over there last summer... 20 folks from uh, Sister Church, and they, there were 23, 22, 21-year-olds went out over there and evangelized for eight weeks, and at the end of it, they gathered 500 people to worship Jesus and baptize them. And this is a church that is electrified. It's not like beat your coconuts together kind of worship, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, I, I want to be totally relevant in every culture. That was kind of part of my world. You know, we were under the palm tree and, and doing all kinds of stuff in Indonesia. But, uh, but these guys are, you know, you're just going, wait a second. I can't believe I'm seeing this. But churches, we've seen churches plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. We're, we're up to four generations now in this process. And, uh, and, he, and beyond. It depends on how you define churches. If you can define a church as a house church, meaning a group of people, you know, which is what it's like in many parts of the world, then we're like eight, ten generations in some of those things. It's, and it's not about like, we've got the great plan, and we figured this out, and we've got the best administration there ever was. It's more like, what just happened? Oh, my gosh. In Indonesia, it was one of the craziest things. We bought into this plan, and uh, uh, so we're, we're talking about vision and investing in people, and I, we shared with this one guy and, and uh, prayed with his wife, and his wife got healed, and uh, he's a witch doctor, and they live in this real dense uh, uh, Muslim community. I mean, uh, you know, it's 400 people in something about the size of a, 
a couple of houses and their yards in the suburbs and uh, in a little put-together tin things. So this woman gets healed, and he's impressed, and he goes away somewhere else, and he starts doing his thing. He's, he makes a living by uh, casting demons out of people. He's a witch doctor, and I'd like to say he just trades demons. You know, he's uh, not really getting them free. He's just like, you want my demons? I, I think they're better than your demons. We'll do a trade here. And uh, uh, so what can witch doctors do? They don't, they're not connected with the kingdom of heaven. There's not freedom there, so something's happening. I, I just want to walk behind him thinking, well, you know, tell me what's going on here. But he, the guy, nothing's happening. He's pulling out his best stuff, nothing's happening. And the fine, finally, he goes, well, those guys prayed in the name of Jesus. I'll try in the name of Jesus. So he, he speaks that out. And what's the guy say? Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? And his hair stands on end. And he says, there's power in the name of Jesus. And he came and found us and said, what is this? He got saved. He led people in his community to the Lord. Some of them were kicked out of their houses. He was drawn in front of his, the mosque, and they threatened to kill him. And uh, he said, go ahead. And, uh, uh, and they just said, whoa, what do we do with that? Uh, you know, just don't do that anymore. And he just took off and kept doing some more things, led some other people to Jesus. They met on another island and... Uh, so they moved 100 miles away. These guys went back for a holiday, and they found out that some of the believers in our group all ended up in the same place. They didn't know each other, but we, they'd shared with them in different places. They ended up on this one island at one of the celebration festivals, and they shared, started sharing with their family. Forty families came to the Lord, and uh, this is an unreached people group. And, uh, and what we're doing all of the way along is, what just happened? What just happened? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then they got persecuted, six of their houses were burned down, they jumped on boats, they fled to another island, and uh, they got to that island, and people asked them, what are you doing here? So the island is what we call, it's Pulau Orang Jahat, I'm looking around, anybody that knows Indonesia will track with me immediately. <laughs> um, but it's like the island of the evildoers, this is a pirate place they ended up on. And they're on the beach, and they're like, uh, we're here because we are following Jesus. They just witnessed to defend themselves. And people started getting saved on that island. Then the pirates started getting on ships and going to other islands. We had seven generations of believers in 14 months. And we're watching. This is the book of Acts. We're just watching it happen. What happened? We were just worshiping Jesus we're pursuing him, trying to live this life out, transferring that on to others. So this is what we're trying to be. And I want to say, this is who you are. <laughs> you know, all of us are pursuing ideals in our life. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, somewhere back there, you prayed and you saw something and you said, if it could only be true, if this could really be lived out, if we could just be like the book of Acts, if we could just be more like Jesus in the Gospels, I'm going to tell you, warts and all, we're trying to do that. And it is, it's a mess. Here's the secret. We don't like everybody to know this, but I just talked to John right now privately. You know, we don't know what we're doing. 
We're just trying to do the next thing. For those of you who have been here, or who are just here for the first time, what we're doing is, is, this, is this is a history of our tribe. This is a bunch of people who have some similar values and, and are trying to, to live this out. And I, if you're new here, I want to say, come check out the tribe. Come see, is this who you are? Is the values, the things that these guys are doing, is this, what's, is this something you resonate with? For those of you who have been around a while, you've been around the mountain. It's like you've seen the, this thing come around, and you've seen people up at the front jump up and down and run in circles and light themselves on fire. You know, you're thinking, what else can they do to impress me? I'm saying... You know, we've, we've uh, actually spent the last year asking the Lord a lot of questions. Who are we? We have these values. What of this are we really living up to? And, uh, you know, how, what is the depth of our relationships like? What is the quality of what's happening? Not out there somewhere. No, in our lives. A couple of months ago, how many of you were here? I, there's so much change that happens over the summer. But we made a presentation. We said, here's, the, here's what's happening, kind of a, a movement-wide. The three churches are going to be working together. How many of you were in the, here when we did that? So that came out of this whole year. Uh, Charlie and uh, Mary Lou were dropped in, moved up here. Susan and I jumped out of our plane with parachutes and landed and uh, been around this thing for a while. Know all these people. You know, I, 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 uh, I knew Jeff when he just stopped drinking. And uh, his mother was my secretary. That was a long time ago. It's just, Jeff has not been drinking for quite some time. <laughs> Except wine with a meal, I think. But uh, um, it was... 20 years old. Now he's much older than that. He has gray hair. And <laughs> Sean and Laura met him when uh, Sean was 20. Laura was 18. Anyway, so I'm incredibly old. That's the point. I'm just saying we've, we've been working through this in so many different ways. And, and I want to encourage you Again, those of you who have been around a little while, to, uh, to be the type of person that you see in these values. I think that we, we, we get a lot of experiences where it, you know, it's just, it's hard, challenging. We go through a lot of different things. You, you may feel like, hey, I... I filled out the form. I checked the boxes. I've done the training school. You know, what else do you want me to do? And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to do this stuff. And I, 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 I get the only picture that I have in my mind is uh, uh, like what I tell my children, you know. Be the type of person that you want to marry. Be the type of friend that you want to be. Let's be the type of believers that we feel in our hearts 
that are the that are really embrace our highest values. And it gets down to that triangle diagram. Those that are went through premarital counseling, you say, how do you get unified in marriage? So what's at the top here of the little triangle? Jesus. Some questions are more simple than others, you know. So the only way, this is you and this is your friend or your mate. The only way to get closer to each other is to get closer to Jesus. The only way we're going to be able to live these things out is individually pursue him in more profound ways. And uh, so here I am. My kids are moving away, going to college. We've been all around the world. We've done all these things. I feel like I'm starting all over again. I, I really feel pretty stupid a lot of times. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I just get back and say, Jesus, I want to know you. And I believe this stuff. I, I, I think, what is it I'm about? Why are we doing this? And we say, we want to be this multicultural, multi-socioeconomic. We want to be this, these people that are pursuing this li- being all that we can be and doing and obeying Jesus. I, wanna, I want people that are obeying. I want to be a person that obeys the word, not just to hear. Why don't you stand up with me right now? Worship band, come on up. You know, I, I told part of the story, but just a, I mean, very few glimpses. Jimmy, who was uh, part of a, you know, way back when, he has the story here, and he's the leader of the movement. It's, uh, it's something, again, as you're looking, you're saying, who am I? Where am I supposed to fit? trying to give you glue or trying to give you some Velcro to stick your opposing Velcro to and saying, is, is, this, is this who I am? Is this the tribe that I have? And then say, let's, let's go. Let's do this. I believe the Lord wants to speak to some of you this morning and speak again fresh identity and fresh purpose in your lives. Anybody in here that wants to know who they are and what they're supposed to do? We hit that. I'm sorry to tell you this, but it, it keeps coming back around. All of you that are 30 and above know, know that totally, right? You know who you are and what you're supposed to do? Right. No. We, we're growing like trees, rings of trees. So as we worship, I, I, I want you to, to just say, Jesus... Show me clearly who I am. And build this environment to where his purposes are coming like in Antioch, where he's saying, now, this is the step I want to take you in. And, and this prophetic environment is growing where God's purposes are being revealed. So uh, why don't we worship? I don't know, John, if you have any impressions. We'll do that, but we'll just, we'll just worship.